Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Rain and Jays podcast. I'm John Corrales along with Jay King. Back from uh, a tough loss against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but let's let's start off on the high note, Jay. They came off a nice little win streak. They they beat some teams that were looked like they would get some, you know, cause some trouble. The Jazz, a big team that they had trouble with in the past. The Blazers were hot. Uh, the Knicks always play the Celtics kind of tough this year, uh, and all wins. So not, not a bad, uh, you know, they, and, and they went undefeated during the homestand. So that, let's focus on the positive. That was a nice thing to see. That was, I mean, that was a very nice thing to see. They, ever since Stevens changed his rotations a little bit, they have played really well and, and really consistently. And that was the case again throughout the homestand. Where, you know, they beat some good teams and they beat some good teams like that Heat game. They didn't have their best offensive performance. They kind of just played defense and kept playing defense. And, and that game was kind of the game. They didn't bring their best, but snuck one out of the I mean, that was an absurd final rush they made after being down eight points with four minutes to play. Jared Sollinger with the two outlet bombs to Jay Crowder. All of a sudden, you know, after. 46 minutes or 46 minutes of mo- 44 minutes of mostly not playing top defense. They just kicked it to another gear and the Knicks couldn't do anything. Jay Crowder with the perfectly timed foul to give with 3.3 seconds left. The Knicks didn't have any timeouts left. Kurt Rambis apologized later to his team for wasting all of those earlier. And Carmelo was forced to jack a prayer at the buzzer. So Celtics played really, really well for the five games of that homestand. Swept them all. Have created not a ton of cushion for their spot in number three in the Eastern Conference standings. Um, but that helped them kind of stay in that spot. So th- they've they've had a nice little run here recently, despite you know the last three quarters against Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how about that Knicks team? They they fired um they fired Derek Fisher and things just they didn't get any any bump they didn't get anything. Rambis is a a bad coach and he's showing he's still a bad coach. It's just unbelievable how things have gone from bad to worse in New York. Um, yeah, how about Kristaps Porzingis only playing twenty minutes against the Celtics? I don't understand that. I thought he was I, a phenom. I, like, what, what the hell is going on? And he, he was killing the Celtics. Like, he, 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 I mean, Amir Johnson was having fits guarding him. He was doing a pretty good job guarding him. But Porzingis was just hitting step back fadeaways. And then it was like, down the stretch, they just went away from him. And I think it goes back to Kurt Rambis 
And it's like, why? Why are they like fighting to, even if even if he's not going to help them win the game more than somebody else would? Why go away from him? Like, what's the point? Your season is lost. You have a stud seven foot two Latvian sitting on your bench. Play him. Play yeah. him. <laughs> Give him the minutes. Who cares? Even if you lose, who cares? Give him the minutes. Let him develop. I don't know. Kurt Ramis. Bad coach. Knicks, bad team. Jose Calderon can definitely not guard Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that was, no. that was just a, such a mismatch. There were times when the, the Knicks would score and Isaiah would just, like, just sprint down the court. Jose Calderon was, like, like molded by clay to the hardwood. It was, that was pretty unreal. Isaiah has been playing phenomenal basketball lately, by the way. 29.7 points, 4.7 assists, and zero turnovers over his last three games. And the Celtics are just, their offense has been ridiculous with him on the court. So, I mean, he, he played at a level where he was worthy of being an all-star, and he, he was an all-star, and he's gotten even better since then. So, Isaiah Thomas, you're a foundation player to me, my man. <laughs> Take that, other guy, and <laughs> yeah. I look. I don't see why you couldn't say that he's a foundational player. He's he's not your number one option on a championship team, but he's a hell of a second or a third option. I don't see what the what the problem is. I, I don't know. But that's. that's he, a, I mean, he's one of the best offensive point guards, offensive players in the league. He he's efficient. He lifts everyone up because he's always putting pressure on the defense. He's. He's a very, very good offensive player, and yeah. he keeps getting better. He's making better decisions. The Cavaliers have had always given him fits. Like they switch, they're long. They can throw Shumpert at him. They can throw even LeBron at him at times, uh, although they don't do that too often. But he destroyed them. Yeah, and, and destroyed that's... them, and and he's been destroying. Like, I mean, he he played really well against the Jazz. It hasn't mattered how much length or versatility other teams have lately. He's just getting his and helping the Celtics while doing it. Yeah. I mean, he's leading this team. He's doing a lot of great things. His passing, his playmaking, it's, it's all going really well. So uh, I, I don't know, but you know, some people, they want to stir the pot. They want to throw, throw some, you know, troll tactics out there and, and, you know, piss on the parade, let's say. So, Whatever, that's fine. We're not doing that. We see Isaiah Thomas for what he is. Uh, but the Cavaliers did uh, run away with the game after it looked like it was weird. The Celtics came out strong in the first quarter, and then everything just kind of switched. The big topic, the big topic coming out of that game, though, is the officiating. And uh, Chuck wrote the recap last night on Red's Army and basically put it on Scott Foster, who said Scott Foster powers the Cavs past the Celtics, which. I can see a lot of fans would have that reaction. I get it. The problem is, it's one thing for the fans to have that reaction. It's another thing for the Celtics to have that reaction on the court and to kind of fall apart a little bit as a result of the, the bad calls. And, and that's where the problem really lies. That Sure, bad calls, you can point to a million of them. That's going to happen. But the way the Celtics reacted is a bigger problem than getting the bad calls. Yeah, and to their credit, 
everybody who talked to the media afterward brought that up as an issue and agreed it was an issue. I don't know whether Stevens addressed them after the game or whether they just realized, man, we were really, really complaining a lot out there and we kind of let the refs get in our heads. But they, I mean, they came out and they, they didn't apologize for it, but they they noted that there was an issue and that they need to improve in that way. So that was, I mean, if, if your team, if your favorite team does spend way too much time complaining to the referees and kind of lets themselves get out of the game because of it, I guess you'd want them to address that and, and be accountable for that after the game. One thing I thought that was interesting was, you know, Marcus Smart got the technical foul for what was an obvious foul. It, it, they didn't call a foul. He obviously got hit on the arm. And right. and while Jared Sullinger was putting back the layups, Mark got nailed for the technical. What, what Isaiah Thomas said that was interesting was that the refs actually told all the players that the next guy to complain was going to get a technical. And so, so that's, you, you know, then that technical goes from Marcus was upset because a string of foul calls have gone against them. And this obvious foul wasn't called to, all right, Marcus, they already warned you that the next word would be whistled for attack, and then you complained. So I think that goes on Marcus, and he needs to get better at that. Uh, he, I think he would be the first to admit that he needs to get better at that. His teammates know he needs to get better at that. Stevens knows he needs to get better at that. Um, but he does. He, he needs to be able to control himself in that moment. And it's not a huge issue. There are a lot of players who complain. There are a lot of great players who complain. Tim Duncan, for example, has never committed a foul in his entire career. Right, right. But, you know, sometimes you just got to know when to shut your mouth. And especially after the referees tell everyone to shut their mouths. And I'm not going to stick up for the refs. They were bad. I, I thought the crew did a pretty poor job and and – Really, like, for I don't know how many minutes, but that third quarter especially, a lot of calls went against the Celtics. But you can't let that get to you, and you can't start overreacting, and you can't get a technical after they, they warn you about it. That's the big problem. And that's – there's it's not about defending the refs. It's, it's about handling the adversity. And sometimes you're going to have to handle that advers- adversity. And I know Celtics fans – can't you probably can't sit there and and pick out a game where all of the calls went the Celtics way and you know the other team got screwed. I'm sure no Celtics fan can pick that out. But <laughs> you know what? I bet you I bet you fans of other teams will can think of games against the Celtics where from their perspective they got screwed, the Celtics got a bunch of calls and blah blah blah. Like it's just a matter of perspective. Now last night again was bad. But Marcus Smart, especially because he's a young guy and he plays with a lot of emotion, has to figure something out because he's a tough defender. He's a physical player. And if he starts pissing off all of these officials, at some point, it's going to really burn him because he's going to have that reputation of being the jerk. And officials, the last thing you want is an official to walk into the Garden, or any other Celtics game and say, oh, man, I hate officiating these Marcus Smart games because I know it's just going to be a pain in the ass. Like, I don't want to hear it from him. You don't want that reputation because 
you need, as, as Mark is smart, you need the referees to kind of buy into you as being a tough defender and for some of those incidental contact things to, to kind of let them slide. Otherwise, he's going to have a tough time defending long over the long haul. If, if the officials don't like him and they start giving him fouls that could go either way, those 50-50 calls, he needs those to, he need those to, to, to defend the way he defends, to be a hard-nosed physical defender. So he, it's, it's imperative for him especially to kind of calm it down and find another way to address the officials so, so he can get a better relationship with those guys and have some sort of mutual respect or something. So, so on bad nights like that, he's not targeted. Yeah, one thing that's interesting – after one of the recent games, I forget which one. I, I didn't see this, but Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe did. Inside the Celtics locker room, Tyler Zeller was actually giving Marcus Smart advice on how to get referees to like him. Because Smart, I mean, he he rarely gets the benefit of the doubt. For, for whatever reason, whether it's because he's a physical player, whether it's because he kind of tests the line all the time, Whatever the reason is, he really doesn't get a lot of benefits of the doubt. Uh, a lot of borderline calls go against him. And so Tyler Zeller was in the Celtics locker room telling Marcus Smart, you know, sometimes when a ref makes a good call, like, tell him he made a good call. Like, compliment him on the call, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so they're, they're working with – they're actually working with Smart as teammates to try to, like, build up that relationship he has with the refs. And so they, they see it as an issue. And again, it's not a huge issue, but it's something that's there. And it's something that became an issue, I thought, against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, last night. Yeah, uh, that's funny because you, there, there are ways. There are ways to help a ref out. It's as simple as like if the ball is kind of heading your way and just being nice is like pick it up and give it to the guy. Stuff like that. I don't know. But beyond that, not even about sucking up to a ref or anything. It's just about not being a dick when the referee makes a call. Sometimes those refs, they know they make bad calls too. I've seen refs talk to players and say, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. They, they will admit that they've gotten calls wrong. But they're not going to admit it if you're sitting there berating them the whole time. And what we don't want is for the Celtics to become the Clippers complaining just so demonstratively after every every call. I mean, those guys are way over the top, and the last thing we need is for the Celtics to turn into those guys. Yes. Do not become the Clippers, Celtics. Do not do that. So, um, so, something that was more along the lines of, of basketball and actual basketball stuff, I thought the bench was kind of exposed against the Cavaliers. I, obviously, the bench has been really good for most of the year, but you know, after that first rush, and most of it was by the starters, Evan Turner came in and hit a couple of jumpers, but that bench was was really beaten, and I thought that it might have been kind of a sign that when the playoffs hit and the competition is better and other teams aren't using nine, ten guys anymore, the Celtics depth may not be as big of an advantage as it has been for most of the season. You know, the, the Cavaliers were playing with either Kyrie or LeBron James and then Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, Matthew Della Vadova, and sometimes Kevin Love, too. 
And th- I mean, those are some talented guys. And all of a sudden, you know, having 10 good players like the Celtics do isn't as important because the other team can just bring in three bench guys who are good and then pair them with a star or two that kind of lift up everybody and put more stress on the Celtics second unit. So I, I thought that was an interesting thing that happened against the Cavs. Although, you know, last time they played the Cavs, I, I thought the second unit did a really good job. But that's something to, to look at further on if these two teams do meet in the playoffs, which, you know, who knows? Who knows? It could happen. Yeah, they could. They could. And this this raises an interesting uh, discussion because we, we've kind of hinted about this. We've talked about this a little bit. I know separately we've written and talked about stuff. Uh, related to this topic, but here is, uh, so Scott Souza sent a tweet out. Isaiah Thomas said, we're not a team that can sit in the half court. We need to get out and run. Uh, and he said that after the, the Knicks game, because the Knicks, that, that was a, a classic example of the Celtics turning on the jets. They started like fast breaking, like crazy, uh, using the depth, just rolling people in. And, and playing well, fast-break basketball, and, and winning the game. But then Celtics Mike tweeted us saying, thoughts on how the Celtics will do in the playoffs with half-court offenses, uh, with, with the half-court offense. And I think last night, and as we look at the stretch of the schedule moving forward, we're going to start to see how the Celtics stack up against some of these better teams. And... I think we're going to start to see, now that we're in March, the shortening of some of these rotations, and we're going to start to see some more playoff-type basketball. And what's going to happen with the Celtics when when they face good teams in that playoff style of basketball? It's something that has concerned me from the beginning because this style of play for the Celtics is great for the regular season. But when you get into a playoff series, you have it, it's almost a completely different animal because you don't have the back to backs. You don't have a different team. Uh, you know, you, if you play three, four games a week, you're, you're rarely playing against that same team more than once. Uh, but in the playoffs, there's no travel or there's not as much travel. You face the same team in a seven game series. Uh, you're only you're only going to a different city a couple of trips if it goes seven games, so you have time to rest, you have time to prepare, you have time to game plan, you have time to go through a practice and a walkthrough, and to really kind of know each other more intimately than you would in any other game during the regular season. So, what happens when you face a good team? It doesn't even have to be. Cleveland. It can be Toronto. It can be Miami. It could be any of these teams that are in that mix. What happens when the benches shorten, the travel restrict, the the, the travel uh, issues aren't there, and it's just talent versus talent? Are, are the Celtics going to be able to compete against these teams with higher level front end talent? Are they going to be able to use that bench the way they normally have? Is that going to fly in a seven game series? I think the the bench thing is more of an issue than maybe some of the other parts. Even in that game against Cleveland, the offense wasn't the issue. 
the Celtics scored 108, just about 100, uh, 107.4 points per 100 possessions, which is elite offense, really good offense. It was the defense that struggled. And if they had made stops, you know, their offense probably would have been even better. They would have gotten more than six fast break points, which is the number they had. Uh, I think in a half-court game, they've gotten a lot better half-court offense. I will say that. Um, and when the game slows, typically in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, and teams know what you're going to do for the most part, it helps to have an offense that features as much movement as the Celtics does. You know, it, you can know what they're doing, and still when like everyone, like when there's like six or seven screens and four passes in a row, it doesn't matter if you know it's it's coming. That's tough to stop. So I do think the 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 way the Celtics offense is designed will keep them from experiencing too much slippage in the playoffs i also think that down the stretch if they are in close games stevens is typically a serious advantage against a lot of coaches so i I think maybe the half court thing is a little overrated there's the 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 real problem is they're going to just be facing better teams and it's tougher to turn over the cleveland cavaliers than it is to turn over, you know, the 76ers or somebody else. So that's the issue. And yeah, that, that's something that, that will hurt the Celtics a little bit in the postseason. But I, I don't, I don't see it being too much of like being a half court game. I, I think it's more just that other teams are better and that, that's the real problem. And, and the Cavaliers are really good, you know, no matter, how much we, how many weird tweets LeBron James sends out that are like like 19, mid mid like 2000 maybe like 2000 AIM messages away messages <laughs> <laughs> it, it it doesn't matter because they're really good and they're really talented and they put a lot of stress on teams and and, and the Celtics saw that in Cleveland yeah, it'd be amazing if they could get their stuff together. The, the Cavs could be like really, really good. They're play this is they're this good with disarray. Um, so, yeah, I think by the time maybe not our next show, but two shows from now, we're gonna be able to sit down and really have a good discussion about where this team can realistically go because. They have a few days off, which is nice. It's nice that at this point of the season to have a few days off. That's great. Uh, they go back home to play the Grizzlies and the Rockets. Uh, then they go to the Pacers. They come back home for the Thunder, and they go to Toronto. That's that's a, a tough little stretch. The Pacers-Thunder-Raptors uh, stretch is three games in four nights. So... That'll be uh, really telling, and we'll, we'll see where the Celtics are against the the better teams. Because right now they have a fourteen and seventeen record against teams that have uh, that are five hundred or better. So the bulk of their wins has come against the weaker teams. That's pretty true of most teams in the NBA, other than the the top of each conference. Uh, really, only Golden State, although they lost to the Lakers. 
We're recording. That was absurd. That was I didn't absurd. even get a chance to see that game because I've been traveling. But um, I, I, what, I, I turned on the computer to start setting up to record this show, and I start seeing the texts about the the game because I get the text alerts, and they I, they lost to the Lakers. Like, what the? But anyway, yeah, they, I, I was I was I was flying back from Cleveland during the game, and I, I flipped it on to see. <laughs> Marcelo Huertas throw an alley oop to Larry Nance, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like that—that's the type <laughs> of game it was." <laughs> Literally, I—I I, I flicked on the TV just in time for that alley oop, and yeah, so so that happened. Any any anything can happen. Anything is possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so wow, nice one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so. It's it's we're we're entering a pretty telling stretch for the Celtics because and not only I mean you know, a lot of these teams have problems but you know the Grizzlies are still they are not bad they they are decimated with injuries but they're still pretty good and they're tough um, the Rockets are always dangerous the Pacers are tough you know Oklahoma City is is kind of getting into desperation mode and Toronto is Toronto they're they're they've separated themselves. And are hopefully from from their perspective, they're they're hopeful to to get to the conference finals. I think from their perspective, they're probably hopeful to get beyond. But from most other perspectives, they're they're hopeful. We're talking we're talking about a team that we're we're talking about a team desperate to win a playoff series. Yeah. So they're 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 just. I think the Raptors are going into the playoffs kind of like nervous. Not the players, the fans are going in like a little nervous, like, come on, this has to be the year, this has to be the year, that they at least make some noise. Because if they get bounced in the first round again after all of this, oh, man. Like, Dwayne Casey's in the conversation with Coach of the Year. He might win Coach of the Year and get fired if they lose in, in the first round of the playoffs. You th- Do you really think Dwayne, Ka- Dwayne Casey, I mean, is he in the conversation with Coach of the Year? The Raptors are the second best team in the East. He's got to be at least in the but, conversation. But they they've been like top four. I don't know. To me, it's saying that I, you can't give it to Golden State because because Luke Walton, know, Curtin, Curtin coach half the season, right? And uh, you probably can't give it to San Antonio, even though Greg Popovich like like they just threw in Lamarcus Aldridge to this mix, and they're fifty three and nine. 53 and 9. 53 and 9, which is obscene. Just I was obscene. Listening to, I was listening to Zach Lowe. I forget who he had on, but um, they were t- they were talking about, like, they just always vote for Greg Popovich because there's really, the award ends up being who really who? overachieved. So, and, and, and not they, only overachieved, but overachieved according to general expect, like, public expectations. Not even overachieved, like according to what should really be the case, but just like right. how people expected that team to be. So I think Stotts is right now is the coach of the year. Like yeah, he's the guy who gets the. the because, I think Stotts probably gets the award too. But I, I still think Casey is in the mix. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I, I think, think Stotts one, Stevens two, Popovich three, Casey somewhere top five. Yeah. Okay, so that's in the conversation. So what's the problem? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, but it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I I'm don't just think, saying, I'm not sure I'm anyone just, will put him number one on the list. No, but I mean, he's in the conversation. He's okay. going to get votes. Yeah, we'll, and, we'll put him in the conversation. We'll throw him in there. But And then if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, does he survive? And No. I, I mean, they could theoretically play like anyone. I mean, they could play Atlanta in the first round. They, they could yeah. finish number two and play Atlanta. Or like And lose in the first round, and then all of or this. Or Chicago, thing, yeah. Yeah, and then you know? Casey gets canned. There's no way if the Raptors lose in the first round, there's no way Casey survives. Not one chance at all. He is gone. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do think they'll get out of the first round this year, though. I, I think they're pretty clear in a way the, the number two team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and and not to turn this into a Raptors podcast, but the the game DeRozan had the other night, I forget how many points he had, like thirty or something. He had he had like twenty four of twenty five from the line, but he he did all that scoring without attempting a single three pointer. Like in today's NBA, isn't DeMar DeRozan this weird kind of anomaly? Like he's doing all of his scoring with like completely not caring about taking any threes at all. I mean, he's getting to the rim basically anytime he wants. And so if you can do that, you can do that. But just weird in this Steph Curry era that there's a player who's thriving and leading his team to the second seed or one of the guys leading his team to a second seed. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, don't, care. don't disrespect my man Kyle Lowry. No, no, he's is, one, it's those who two has guys. been outrageous lately. Yes. But yes. yeah, but, DeRozan, DeRozan, he's a guy who just keeps getting better, but we should probably get this back on track, get back to the Boston Celtics because otherwise yeah, we could, we could just gush about DeRozan and Lowry, but let, let's get back to the Celtics here. Well, it's back to the Celtics because the Celtics end up playing the Raptors in this little stretch before <laughs> before they before they go off and face the Sixers um, and you know a couple other crappy teams. But um, so yeah, so well, if you you want to steer it back to the the Celtics, well, what's your topic? What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Uh, we could talk about Kelly Olynyk coming back soon. I, I think. I think over the past few games, without Isaiah Thomas on the court over the last three games, the Celtics are scoring 74 points per 100 possessions, which is basically just offensive vomit. Like, just gross, gross, grossness. So I, I think Kelly Olynyk's return is big. Uh, I think Tyler Zeller, by the way, has not played well lately. I, I don't want to bash him too much, but this has not been a stretch these past few games with the exception of like the fourth quarter against the Knicks. This is not a stretch that Tyler Zeller will brag about when he's trying to negotiate a free agency contract this summer. Well, no, but it's hard to get on Zeller because this is, this is par for the course. This is who he is. He's, he's going to have bad stretches. He's going to have these, these games where, um, he, he kind of disappears. Sometimes it's going to be bad matchups. So I don't know. I'm not going to get on Zeller. I think, I think he's, he's going to make plenty of money just because there's going to be so much money to give away this, this summer that somebody's going to give him a lot of money to, because percentage wise, 
it's it's not going to be a big deal as far as the cap goes. He's going to still get the same kind of percentage, roughly, of the cap that he should probably get. It's just that whatever percentage that is is going to be a ton of money. <laughs> and people are going to be like, how is he getting, whatever, $10 million? But in, in this new world, it's not going to be surprising if Tyler Zeller gets $10 million a year. Yeah, I will also say this. The difference between LeBron James, the difference of LeBron James versus the Amir Johnson and Jared Sullinger front court versus, but against LeBron James versus the Jonas Jerebko, Tyler Zeller front court was a lot. Like that was a huge difference. LeBron versus Sullinger Johnson was like settle for jumpers. LeBron versus Tyler Zeller was like straight to the rim. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I thought well, I thought that was something that the Celtics will need to shore up by the time that they, if they ever do face the Cleveland Cavaliers again, they will need to figure out a way to slow down LeBron James when their starting front court isn't on the court because. Literally, like his eyes lit up as soon as Tyler Zeller was under there. He was like, "Okay, time for me to go get a layup," and <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's just kind of how it went. Yeah. Well, look, the Olympic the Olympic thing is is a good point because we're we're going through all of these things and we're trying to make these determinations about who the Celtics are and who they might be, but we don't know until Kelly Olynyk is back and healthy and playing like he was. And if that changes the dynamic, that changes the dynamic of that game last night when Olenek is on the floor and stretching the floor and and at least providing a little more resistance than I think Jarebko would have. But regardless, it, it does change things with him on the floor. It, it changes who's on the floor with him, changes the substitution patterns. So it, it's there's a lot there that... Even in the next few games, and, and th- this is something probably hasn't gotten talked enough talked about enough. That Avery Bradley in the bench lineup, like Avery Bradley, four bench guys with Kelly Olynyk, is unbelievable. Like they just smoke opponents. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Yeah, and with Tyler Zeller in Olynyk's place, that just doesn't have the same synergy between those five guys. And I- I'm not saying there's like a huge difference. Between, like the caliber of players, I I, I will say I, I do think Kelly Linux substantially more helpful than Tyler Zeller on the court, but like the difference with that lineup is even more substantial because they just do completely different things, and I, I think that group because Smart likes to operate or can operate closer to the basket because Evan Turner. Loves to get to mid-range and closer. Olenek's importance to drag the defense out is huge. And and so that unit especially, I think, is is really hurt without Kelly Olenek. And that unit is key to sustaining this hot starts like they had against Cleveland. Like if they had had that hot start against Cleveland and then thrown in that five-man unit with Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley on the bench – you know, who, who knows? Maybe they keep it up and, and maybe they extend the lead a little bit. And then maybe it's a different game. But without a Linux, things change a little bit. And I, I do think the longer he's out, kind of the more that has had an impact. And 
and and they've played well without him, but I, I think they'll reach another level once he gets healthy. I, I, I do want to say this while we're on the topic of health. Celtics have been pretty healthy this year. Like, like knock on wood and all that, but uh, Isaiah Thomas, has has he even missed a game? Um... I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure he's missed a game. Jared Sullinger's only missed one game. Like Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart both took turns going out earlier in the season, but they've been healthy for a while. Jay Crowder, he's been healthy, like mostly for the most part. Evan Turner, he's played every game. Like for the most part, all their important guys have stayed healthy throughout the entire season. I think that's been a a big part of them being 38 and 26 and number three right now in the Eastern conference. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to think about a world where we don't have Isaiah Thomas for any extended period of time. That, that would not be good. Uh, but, uh, that that's analysis for you right there. Losing <laughs> Isaiah Thomas would not be good. So, <laughs> that, that's, that that's what the rainy Jays gives you. That, that, putting that one on my resume numbers, crunching deep analysis. Hey, ESPN radio. You want some sort of you want analysis from a, a show host? Check this out. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we that should be like like a clip we use at the beginning of the show, like like yeah. to, to get people hyped. You know how like shows take like certain clips of of awesome sound bites. That should be it. That should be it. Like Losing Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, Thomas going out good. would not be good. <laughs> I'm I'm in fact I'm going to edit that to the beginning of this show right now. Uh, so. But, uh, so yeah, the health has been, has been good. Uh, and I, I think part of the Celtics health, look, obviously there's luck, but Brad Stevens and the staff, the training staff, they are very much into this current trend of balancing rest with, you know, practice time, time off. Like that stuff is, is, very, very important and is much a much bigger emphasis in the NBA now than it ever has been. Where a guy like uh, Byron Scott just runs his team ragged and, and goes back to the days of the 80s and just says, you just got to keep running, just keep going, keep going, keep going. But the, the result is that you, you wear your players down. And I think this team, the Celtics is joining uh, a group of NBA teams that really start to emphasize rest and and recovery as a big part of staying healthy. So uh, I think some of this is a testament to, to that effort because uh, it's, it's grueling. People don't understand the grind of the NBA. 82 games, constantly traveling, you get off the plane. Think about... Just the way you flew from Cleveland to Boston and you get off the plane, you get home, you're like, man, I'm exhausted just flying on a plane, sitting there, you, you get home, you know what's you're funny? like, I'm tired. You know what's funny is during all the flights, my knee swells up. Like I actually have pain because of the NBA travel and I don't even play. Uh, and, and it's it's incredible. <laughs> that it's horrible. <laughs> These guys play 41 away games and do all that travel and still have enough gas, 
to play as well as they do on the road. Like, honestly, uh, my knee <laughs> kills me. It kills me when I get off the plane. And devastating. So it, it, I think that is a bigger factor. Yeah, I, I think it is a bigger factor than, than people realize. And to your point, the Celtics, it they have moved their practices back. Uh, I think during Stevens' first year, they practiced a lot at like 11 a.m. Now they practice more often at 12 or 1. They no longer have home shoot-arounds early in the morning. They have them like three hours before the game. They are doing a lot of things besides limiting minutes, and they limit the minutes of all their big stars. They don't play anybody more than, you know, 35 minutes normally. I don't think you'll hardly ever see a guy on their team get to 40 minutes. Never, ever. So they do a lot of things to, to keep those guys fresh. And I, I do think that's a factor. Uh, but yeah, yeah, my, my knee, my knee struggles with the, the cross country <laughs> flights. And I'm, I'm not even a player, man. <laughs> the Celtics it's sad. The Celtics had a game against the Knicks in which they had to fight hard to come back and finish that game off, and they did it by running, 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 running. Then they got on a plane, went to Cleveland. Had to, they went to Cleveland, first of all. How what kind of fresh hell makes you go to Cleveland at any point in your life? But then to do it after an NBA game, you go there, you get in late, then you have to deal with playing the Cavaliers – and and then that whole and your knee is what's bothering you. To, to, to be fair, doctors have told me never to play basketball again. Like I, I I'm completely washed up. I'm only 28, but it, it's an old 28. It's like <laughs> it's like a, a baby 28, you know. <laughs> like where, where he was midway through his career and he was just done, completely done. Uh, I'll be honest. You made it to twenty. Um, I didn't make it that far, so <laughs> um, it's bad. That's We're a bunch sad. Of rickety that's sad. old guys. Uh, let's yeah. let's let's move along. I want to bring up this one thing. Uh, Bobby Marks, the former Nets assistant general manager and now the front office insider for the Vertical, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's new venture. I had an interesting tweet the other night where he said, no reason why Boston shouldn't be on the list of top cities for free agents to target. Celtics hit on all the criteria players look for. And speaking of all of the stuff that you just said about what Brad Stevens does for the players, and think about what free agents, when you're looking at a team, think about that as as one of the selling points. That you don't, you know you don't have to be up for an 11 a.m. practice, you know that they emphasize rest, that they're doing these things to take care of your body. So you know, as a free agent, walking in that door, that they have your best interests. You're not just some piece of meat that can go out there and run and jump and, and give them wins. You are somebody who is of value to them, and they're going to try their best to make sure that you don't get hurt, that you're healthy, and you're you're very productive. It's a mutually beneficial thing. You're not getting hurt. You're being productive. They get more minutes out of you. Everybody wins. On top of it, you've got Brad Stevens, who is, you know, draws up magic on the dry erase board. You've got players who are fun to play with. You've got that camaraderie. You can see it. 
You've got good cornerstone guys, good role players, uh, and a team that's on the upswing. And I just want to hammer this point home because I hate that discussion of Boston hasn't has never signed a marquee free agent. I think that's the worst, the, the biggest misconception out there. And I don't care if I say it on every show that, that I think that's a total misconception. And in today's world, today's NBA, with the internet and social media where guys can be stars anywhere, there is no reason for any city to be ruled out. Um, and the Celtics are in a position right now to to be one of the most attractive teams to a free agent, which is incredibly important because everybody's got money now. So the money is not going to be the selling point. You can go get a max contract anywhere if you're a top-notch player. You get to pick a situation which best fits you. You don't have to just say, well, the Trailblazers have the most money and I really want to get paid, so I guess I'm going to go see how it works in Portland. You get to say, I'm this type of player. These are the things I want to do. And you get to look at the landscape and say, oh, Boston is a great situation. I want to go there. Or at least I want to go talk to them and see what they're all about. That's a really important thing right now. Yeah, and I th- I think to that point, it's it's important that the Celtics have shown as much development as they have. And, you know, it's one thing to look at a, a team that has a good coach and a stable front office and you know the history that the celtics do it's another to look at that team when they have an all-star in isaiah thomas and a two-way player in jay crowder and a lot of young guys who are interesting like that that changes things and you know there aren't the there aren't many top free agents out there 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 aren't many game changing free agents out there this 2016 class isn't by any means a great class but I, I do think that the Celtics have an interesting pitch to anybody willing to listen. And, you know, they're already the number three team in the East right now. And they're really young. Jonas Derebko just turned 29. He's the oldest guy on the roster. Their coach, only getting better with time. Stevens. Stevens. I mean, there, there are times when you look at the plays he draws up and you're just like, whoa. Like, they just jump off. There aren't many coaches where plays that are drawn up, like, just kind of make you say, wow. And Stevens is one of the, one of the rare guys. I think Doc Rivers was kind of like that, too. He, he was really good at drawing up late-game plays. Uh, but, but Stevens does that and a lot else as a coach. He, he's really good. So they, they do have an interesting pitch to anybody. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I do think... You know, let, let's say they added Al Horford by some chance, and then you add him in free agency. You still have money left. You still have the top number one pick from from Brooklyn, wherever that ends up. And all of a sudden, that's a really, really, really intriguing team. So, who knows? Who who knows? The future is bright. One way or another, the future is bright, and. And and this current team is really fun, really yeah. really fun. So this is it's a good time to, to be watch. a. It really is a good time to be a Celtics fan. It's great time. It's a great time. Uh, everything is going great. And the one thing I want to say about Brad Stevens and the coaching staff. 
look at everybody that's come here so far in the, the past few years. I struggle to, to see a guy who's played any significant time here and say, who got worse? Who came here and got worse as a player? Everyone who's come here has gotten better as a player under Coach Stevens. David Lee. David Lee. Did David Lee get worse, or was he just always that bad? He just had 18 and 12 and four blocks. Well, so he's but- <laughs> the one exception. Maybe, maybe, maybe if he spent more time actually like getting into shape and, and not sitting at some buffet table somewhere. I don't even want to talk about David Lee. He's dead to me. I'm glad we I'm I'm glad we brought this back to David Lee. It, it always comes back it's, to David Lee. It's unbelievable. I, I, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> we got a couple of Twitter questions. I'm going to get to the Twitter questions, and then we're going to go. Uh, Mike, Mike D. McCullough uh, asks, which teams did the season match up well with in the playoffs? So if you had to, if you could choose a playoff opponent, Jay, who do you think they'd match up with better against? I don't think either Detroit or Charlotte would beat them. I think anyone else has a chance to beat them. I don't think Detroit or Charlotte do it. Uh, I think, you know, you look at Indiana, they have Paul George. You look at Chicago, they have Jimmy Butler. You look at Atlanta, they're the Hawks. You look at most of those teams, they're, they're, they're tough to beat. Um, I don't think Chicago, or I, I mean, I don't think Detroit or Charlotte beats the Celtics. So I think if you're looking for one team to play and you're a Celtics fan, you want them to match up with one of those two teams. Uh, I, I think, you know, maybe they could be fun series, but I think, I think they have more talent than both of those two teams. And I think they have Stevens who is, who won't let them lose to a less talented team. I agree with that. I think that's a good call. Everyone else is going to be tough. I mean, they, they can, there's, there's no one in the first round that I don't think the Celtics can beat, but, I think that those other games would be tougher. Those other series would be tougher. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good teams behind the Celtics. Like, or, oh, yeah. You know, the Hawks, the Heat. The, you know, even looking at the Bulls, now that they have Butler back, they're a weird team. I, 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 Bulls are, I, I, don't, I don't know, know what to think about them. I, I personally think the Bulls should have just – I don't know. I think they should have cashed in their chips and, and – Done they a, should have traded Jimmy Butler to Boston. They should have. They absolutely should have. I, I think the, the Chicago and Atlanta had an opportunity at the trade deadline because I think Chicago more than Atlanta because Chicago they could have they could have traded Butler. They could have. No, tried they to they trade. they have Butler on a really good contract for many years. They should have kept Butler. They should have traded Pau Gasol. He's an Definitely. old dude for a team that's going nowhere. Trade him. Trade him yeah. for whatever you can get. Trade him. I mean, it's hard to say what deals were out there and what weren't, but it's nonetheless. Yeah. Like he, he's what is he thirty six, thirty seven? He, I think he's a free agent this summer, right? Yes, he, he is, and he's basically said that he's gone. So. Yeah, so so he, like that. I feel like that's one of the moves Ainge would have made, and he would have gotten like like a couple second rounders, and everyone would have been like, "What are you doing?" And then the next year, when Powell's somewhere else, like 
really old and can't really play anymore. And you would be sitting there with a the second round. I was like, yep. <laughs> yep. Got something. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Um, and Justin tweets us from his uh, Celtics fan. I love these. Uh, first of all, let me, before I even read this, sometimes I, I get these, like, I look at the statistics and where people are reading from. The fact that, like, we're, we're on in Australia. Like, when, when I post this and it's all done, a bunch of people in Australia are going to listen to this show. And a bunch of people in, you know, in Southeast Asia and Africa and Europe, like, just listening to the show. I think that is amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. And I just want to send a quick shout out to all, everybody around the world who listens and, and reads our stuff. That's amazing. And to all the countries who don't listen, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> they're probably they're probably in oppressive governments that don't allow them to have fun or they're afraid of the power of our voices or or, or they just don't give a crap about John Corrales and Jay King so I'm gonna go with that which is probably probably more realistic and reasonable no that doesn't make any sense to me yeah, maybe not you. maybe not I don't know so Justin asks if you and John he was asking you if you and John had to be compared to a famous NBA duo, current or past, who would they be? What NBA duo are we? You know what's funny is Scal asked me for my NBA player comparison yesterday. Asked and you? Yeah. Of who, who you would be and like your NBA player. Okay. And who I would be as, as an NBA player. I, I, I couldn't think of one on the spot. I, I, I texted a few of my friends. One responded, George A. Mearson. <laughs> <laughs> Another responded, Jimmer Fredette. And oh, I'm probably, I'm probably like Al Harrington. Scout guessed that would be Mike Dunleavy. Uh, I, I then, <laughs> I, I then asked Scout the same question and he said, Brian Cardinal. So. Oh, that's hilarious. Brian Cardinal <laughs> is, is his NBA player comparison. Um, well, you are the Tobias Harris of, of podcasting. I am the Tobias Harris of podcasting, but as far as basketball goes, I don't think I have that type of versatility. Oh, what, so where would um, NBA do? Who would I? Who would we be? Who would we be? Past or present? Who? I think it's obvious. We're the Splash Brothers, baby. It doesn't even hey. matter who's Steph and who. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Can I be brothers. Draymond instead of Clay? I, nah, I think I, I think we should be like like I one splash brother I'm... and and one one not robot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we need to be Steph and Draymond. Oh, I don't know. I don't see you as Draymond. I think me and my rants. So I'm Steph. Draymond. You could be Steph, I guess. You are a gunner. You'll pull I, up from anywhere. I'm definitely a you gunner. You are in range as soon as you get out of your car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in range like 30-ish like percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's an elite tandem, whoever it is. Maybe whoever Shaq is. and Kobe. Oh, okay. Shaq and Kobe. Um, Michael and Scotty. Those are just the first ones that come to mind. I think, I think we should, we should keep it to, let's keep it to the Boston Celtics. Let's go back and say, it's gotta be Pierce and Antoine. 
Yes. Like, like just, just having fun, like growing up together, like shimmying. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, in so, sometimes doing really frustrating stuff, but, but also, <laughs> but also like giving, giving everyone some fun. I, I we're yeah. definitely Pierce and Antoine. I love it. And then Antoine because my, my weight tends to fluctuate. <laughs> um, I'm. No, I was gonna make a bad period. And and because I'm I, I'm also a, a big gambler. I, I like poker, so I'm Antoine. So you're you're Antoine. So I look forward to you continuing yeah. to podcast until you're 80 because you need the money. Because <laughs> we because we get so much money out of this podcast. This man, it's raining cash, not just raining jays. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's good. We've we've settled on that with Pierce and Antoine, it's, which is so much fun. I'm sh- I'm shimmying so right now for for. I'm shimmying right now for anyone who wants to envision my shimmy. It, it is I'm, glorious. You. I don't know if we want to envision your shimmy. I yeah, I am podcasting with a a ridiculous bandage on my head. That's that's wonderful. I, I was gonna say you like hopping on top of the scorers table like Pierce did after beating the Nets in that outrageous playoff game in two thousand two. Oh, so so that that's what you're doing instead of, of sure. podcasting with a bandage on your head. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound quite as good. No, it was that post uh, Pacers thing that he did after the foul. Remember that we showed up in the in the. That, but music. that was his lowest moment, you know. You you gotta you gotta the the comeback was a much better moment than oh, sure. the Absolutely. time. We uh, let's wrap it up because we're, we're there. Yeah. There have been there have been some technical difficulties here, um, which hopefully in the edit I'll clean up a, a lot of these things. But you know we apologize. Uh, on top of everything, uh, I'm trying out a new microphone, so I don't even know how this sounds until after we're done. So. I'm sitting here in this apartment where the steam comes on. I don't know why the steam's still coming on. It's a lot of a lot of roadblocks in this Rain and Jay's show, but we're we're doing it <laughs> and we're putting it out there. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if, it's if been listening, a steamy show. It has been a steamy yes. show. Yes. Uh, when I'm done, I'm going to take off my headband. Show. I'm going to throw it out to the fans. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. If you're listening, however it is you're listening. Uh, we appreciate any sort of ratings uh, on iTunes. Uh, if you can hop over on iTunes right now and just give us a little, you know, good word, let people know what you think about the show. Unless you hate the show, which why are you still listening if you hate the show? I mean, come on. But yeah. uh, give us give us five stars. It'd really help out. And uh, visit us on Twitter. Go to our websites. Uh, check out Jay at BassLive.com. Obviously, check me out on RedsArmy.com. And uh, we will see you next week on the Rain and Jays podcast. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. 
Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.